there's an age-old question that, that people ask sometimes, and um, it's a sort of question that kids ask to parents. It goes something like, Mum or Dad, where did I come from? Uh, sometimes we ask it of ourselves. I ask it quite often of myself, actually. Uh, where did I come from? How did I get here? Um, sometimes we just simply ask it of God. I like doing that when I'm under the stars. Where did I come from? What's the big picture? How did I end up here? And what you're doing? What are you doing? And where are we going? And all those kind of things. I think they're great questions. You know, when normally when we ask, um, "How did I get here?" the second part of the question is, "And where am I going?" It's fair, eh? And where am I going? And um, so I thought I'd just look at that tonight and quickly. Uh, Famous last words, quickly. Um, I thought I'd look at it tonight. I just want to look at who are we, how have we got here, and where are we going as a church? Because uh, our theme, our, our um, sort of direction just for the next few weeks is we want to look at church a little bit, our values, what makes us us. Um, but bigger than that, I want to look at the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God and understanding the kingdom of God is so, so important to uh, understanding where he's taking us and how he's taking us and why he's taking us. But I thought tonight I'd start with the question, who are we and how have we arrived where we are today? Now, as I started to look for the answer, I realized it wasn't as simple as I had hoped. So what I thought was we would start at Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then Genesis 1.27 says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Pretty cool, eh? There we are. But this crazy thing happens in Genesis chapter 3. People get caught up in deception and disobedience. The snake lures them, and um, they make bad mistakes. We know those people are Adam and Eve. How do we know that? Yeah, they were the only two people at the time. So it's pretty, it's pretty you, can, you can, yeah, anyway. So, so we know it was them, but the, the, the facts are, if you and I were there, we probably, we would have mucked up as well. So don't go too heavy on them, okay? They made mistakes, and basically their mistake broke our relationship with God. It wrecked it. Because rather than saying, God, we rely on you to do it your way, Oh, that's what we're just talking about. Rather than relying on God to do it his way, they settled for reasonable. Ooh. They settled for, a re- they settled for doing it their way. And it broke the relationship, and the relationship appeared to be all over, except for the fact that God fixed it. It was God that fixed it. People didn't. God fixed it. And the first clue he gives us to him fixing it is Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, just after we... Uh, find out the problem, God starts to reveal the solution and it's prophesying, of course, Jesus in the future, but it says, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. That's the first glimmer we've got that God's got a plan that he's going to fix this thing. Now, fast forward several hundred years and we come to Isaiah and in chapter nine, it says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, that child's name is? Jesus. Great. Know your Bibles. That, That That child's name is Jesus. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. 
He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Fast forward a few hundred more years. Luke chapter 2. She, being Mary, gave birth to her first child, a son. And that son's name is Jesus. Fast forward another 30 years. Jesus' ministry is starting to take off. He's starting to become known. And Jesus says in John um, chapter 18, when he was asked a question, he said, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus talked a lot about his kingdom. He talked a lot about the kingdom of God. And we'll look at some of that in weeks to come. Next, Jesus is nailed to the cross. Just when it looked like everything was good, when everything was sorted out, when the plan was coming together, Jesus is crucified. He's nailed to the cross. He dies on the cross. And in Matthew 27, it says there that then Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. This next little bit, I like this next little bit. Uh, I've never heard a sermon preached on it. Uh, I wouldn't mind hearing a sermon preached on it, but it goes like this. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. Wow. Like, that's pretty out there, eh? I reckon that there is the, um, that's the plot there for every zombie movie that's ever been made. <laughs> right there. Right there. And it's amazing. So the Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. And they said, this man truly was the son of God. He truly was the son of God. And then the resurrection happens. Wow, they weren't expecting that either. Luke 24, but very early on the Sunday morning, the woman went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Go down to verse 2. Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Amazing. Then... Matthew 28, Jesus came and he talked with his disciples. Hey, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am always with you till the end of the age. Then, Acts 1.7, the apostles were with Jesus and they kept asking him, Lord, is this the time where you're going to free Israel and restore the kingdom? But he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We saw that next two. And then down a verse, after saying this, he was taken, he, Jesus, was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And now, Romans 10. 
If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. However, soon after this, Jesus was dealing with a man called Saul. Saul was a Jewish uh, leader, up-and-coming leader, and he was well-known, very well-educated, and very astute in Jewish ways. And Saul was standing there, actually, when Stephen was martyred. Stephen was the first martyr, and he was standing there holding the coats while they did that. But Jesus had a different plan for Saul. Jesus encountered Saul. I wonder how many of us need to encounter Jesus and just let his plans rest on us. But Jesus encountered Saul, and then after he'd encountered Saul, we know him as Paul. And then in Acts 22, 21, Jesus is talking to him, and he says, Now go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. This is a massive moment, because up until this point, Jesus' ministry has been primarily to the Jews. In a few other moments, but primarily to the Jews. And then at this moment, we're starting to see here that now, now that it's changing, he says to Paul, Paul, I want you to go to the Gentiles. A Gentile is anyone who's not a Jew. So that's like go to the rest of the world. The rest of the world, that's a big place. Go to the rest of the world. Now fast forward until 1904 to 1906. Wales is absolutely transformed by the power of God. We know that as the Welsh revival. Hundreds of thousands of people came into relationship with Jesus and it so impacted the culture of Wales that even the horses couldn't follow instructions in the coal mines because the language of the people changed radically. And the horses couldn't understand anymore. The pubs emptied out and the prayer meetings filled up. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Incredible. Out of the Welsh revival, several new church movements were birthed. One of those movements was the Apostolic Church. The Apostolic Church today in New Zealand is known as Acts Churches. It didn't take long when the Apostolic movement was birthed for them to belt the globe with the gospel. That was their, um, their motto, belt the globe with the gospel. And before too long, the apostolic church arrived in New Zealand. It had been here in New Zealand for a few years and uh, planting churches here and there. And then in 1940 or thereabouts, a group started to meet in Hamilton. Small group at the start, and they started to meet, and they met faithfully. Now fast forward till today. We are now known as Activate Church. This group is still pursuing God's instruction to take the gospel of his kingdom to the very ends of the earth. That means local, it means uh, national, it means global, and we're called to make, teach, and baptize. In other words, disciples. Make disciples. And that, friends, is a short, condensed version of who we are and where we came from. And it brings us right to here today. Pretty exciting when you join it in with the whole of history, isn't it? Doesn't it give you a sense of of purpose and like, oh my goodness, God's got us this far, where's God taking us? 
What's He going to do with us? So today we're Activate Church. I love the word activate. Activate means to make active. To make active is characterized by action rather than contemplation or speculation. Uh, action's not too difficult, I think, for most Kiwis. We like action. I've got lots of friends who are Europeans. They do things quite different to us. So you have a bright idea in Europe. I have a bright idea. And uh, you think, I'll go and do that idea. And then, no, they don't go and do the idea. They go and do a degree to learn about that idea. And then once I've done the degree, if it's got merit and stuff, they think, what shall I do? I know, I'll go and do my master's on that idea. And they do their master's. And it's about then, or after they've got the doctorate, they'll do the idea. Amazing. Maybe. New Zealand's a bit different. We have an idea. We get up the next morning. We do the idea. <laughs> now, I would say, just you know, let wisdom and the hard school of Knox talk for a minute. The line's probably here somewhere. <laughs> it's probably here somewhere. A bit of thought, a bit of planning. Um, you know, doesn't go astray. Doesn't go astray at all, actually. But, but we're quite different. And I like the thought, activate. You know, we're activating. We're doing something. We're not just sitting around talking about it. We're not just wishing. We're actually doing something. And our mission, our vision is activating community transformation. Activating community transformation. And, of course, we understand that it doesn't matter what we do if Jesus is not in the middle of the transformation for people. It's not lasting. It's got to be about Jesus. Our strategy is wherever, whenever, be like Jesus. Wherever, whenever, be like Jesus. It's, it's an individual strategy in the sense of we're all going to be somewhere after here. We're all going to be somewhere on Tuesday morning. We're going to be in a classroom. We're going to be at work. going to be in a lecture theater. We're going to be somewhere doing something. But also it's a corporate thing in that we can come together and we can embrace what God's asking us to do in this time, in this place, in this season, and we can step into that together. I love it. Wherever, whenever. What does that actually look like? It looks like loving God and loving people. One of our major um, doings corporately at the moment is creating the Activate Community Park, of which we're in right now. Uh, but creating that as a place of hope for the people of Hamilton and beyond. And it's a major project, and it's going to take some time, but it's a great thing to be involved in and called to do. How do we be like Jesus? Well, we've got values. They're words, the values, but you know they, they describe something of character and something of nature, which I believe is that of a mature believer. Our five values are big-hearted, courageous, purposed, kingdom-focused, and belonging. They're great words. They're wonderful words. Help. You know, what, what's it look like to love God and love people? If you just want to really pull that back, it looks like being big-hearted. I had a friend say to me recently when we were talking, he said to me, Sheridan, I know you're a generous person, but have you thought about what you can do with your finances so you can keep giving for generations after you've passed away? I thought, what a great question. What a great, oh, no, I hadn't thought of that. What a great question. That's big-hearted. That's thinking well beyond my lifetime. That's what big-hearted, you know, courageous. It takes courage to do what God's called us to do. Purposed, it takes purpose to do anything. Kingdom-focused, it's always kingdom-focused. And belonging, we get to do this together. Exciting. So where are we heading? Well, together, we're intentionally creating an environment both physically and spiritually, where we can meet our community's felt needs. 
and offer hope, a place of hope to the people. I love that. That really excites me. And again, I understand that true and lasting hope comes only through Jesus and that everything we do, it's got to be steering people back to Jesus because he is the hope of the world. He never said a church building is the hope of the world. He never said a, a, a location is the hope of the world. He is the hope of the world. But the place that we are called to create, and I say we because you know, sometimes people think, oh, that's a great harebrained idea you've run off and done. But we've been working together as groups and with groups of leaders on this vision for well over a decade. And so it's not just a scheme. This is something that we've sat with for a long time. It's something that we've inquired God about for a long time, that we've prayed about for a long time. It's something that, you know, when we should have, when all practical matters said we should answer the question B, but God said answer the question A, we answered A. Because we knew that God was speaking. So when I speak about developing the Activate Community Park on this site, I'm absolutely sure it's going to come to pass. I'm absolutely sure we're doing something that God has asked us to do. And as we develop it, all sorts of things will happen here. But as we develop it, our four key pillars will be faith, education, medical, and social. Social justice, social services. We have all those things going already. But as we pull them together and express ourselves again, it will become a place of hope, a place that is a legacy for our city and the cities of the world because it will be a hub that will help other places. It's a big project. I know that. It will be ongoing for a long, long time. For me this year, what I'm personally hoping to happen, just so you know, is um, I've kind of got four priorities. The first one is advancing the church. That's the first one. I think God wants to do something really significant with you yeah. this year. And um, this year, we, we're approaching things slightly different. Uh, you know, we believe, we've always believed in the Ascension Ministries, Ephesians chapter 4, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, and the evangelist. We've always believed in those, and we've brought in ministries like Steve and Sally McCracken come in and, and bring a prophetic voice to what God's doing. Wayne and uh, Ruth Swift come in and they bring a prophetic and apostolic grace to help direct us in what God's doing. But what we've never had is that complete team on site, local. And this year we've put together that team on site, local. That can, you know, the purpose according to Ephesians 4 is to bring the church, that's all of us, to maturity fullness of stature in Christ. And so I'm really excited. It's probably the thing I'm most excited about this year is this group coming together. And what I really love about it is I love the fact that God graces people to see through a different lens. But as we come together, we get to outwork something of the ministry of Christ. We also get to have a much wider um, sort of touch area that we can uh, encourage people and inspire people to step into the things and the purposes of God, which is really exciting. I love the thought of the tension it creates, because this is a silly example, but it was the only one I could think of at the time. It was like, you know, we're worshipping tonight, and the prophetic person, they're just looking through the lens. The prophetic person sees everything through the lens of what is God saying. Like if you tripped out the door walking out of church tonight, they'd look at you going, oh, what was God saying to them? What happened there? That's how, how prophetic people work. It was an act of God. Did God trip them up? That's what they'd be saying. So, so, so you've got, 
<laughs> you've got you've got the prophetic, and um, the, the the prophetic. You know, like we'd be having a, a great time in church, and say we're debriefing on Monday, and the prophetic person would go, uh, "Why did we stop the worship when we did? If we just pushed into God for another twenty minutes, heaven would have broken open, and it would have been incredible." They might be right, but you've got the teacher sitting around the table as well. And that teacher was in the same meeting and they're going, why did it go on for so long? For goodness sake, if you just opened the Bible and given us some substance, God would have broken in and done something. So you get these tensions around the table and these looking into the same thing. And what it's supposed to do biblically is bring maturity to our faith. I'm really excited about that. I hope you felt that. I hope you felt that. The other thing we're going to do is... um, um we're going to complete the hub building, which is over here as you came in, where the church offices are at the moment. That building will become available throughout the year. And my prayer is believing before then, but by Christmas we'll be meeting in there. Have our Christmas gatherings in there. There'll be a bit more space in here, which will be great. It's not our final resting place, but it'll be a bit, bit bigger, which will be good. Also, this year we're wanting to um, do stage one of the actual park, start that process in the areas that we've got available. So that'll be, that'll be great. And then the, the last thing this year that we're hoping to achieve, or I'm personally really hoping to achieve, is that we'll have the medical centre on this site, possibly in this building, which will be really exciting. And um, so they'll be all great advancements. Plenty to do, eh? Heaps to do. But it's all about creating a legacy of hope for the people of Hamilton and beyond. Then I started in Genesis. I just want to jump to Revelation 11. I've done the whole Bible in like 12 minutes. <laughs> I haven't quite got this in context, but don't let it bother you. <laughs> yeah, the teacher. I could just see Simon's putting his head in his hands going, help him, Jesus, help him. Um, Revelation eleven fifteen. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices shouting in heaven. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. I love that. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. I love that because until the Father says time's up, we've got work to do. When, the, when time's up, the world will have become the kingdom of God. We're, just, we're not quite seeing that yet, but we're on our way. But when the Father says time's up, time will be up, up. But until then, as disciples, we've got a job to be fully engaged in kingdom advancement. You've got a job to be engaged in, in kingdom advancement. That's what disciples do. Part of the call of discipleship is to be engaged in the Father's business which is kingdom advancement. That's part of the call. And so, yeah, we do that corporately, but yes, we do that individually, and it means you. And you go, but my skill set's really wacky. That's all right. God created you. He obviously needs your skill set to advance the kingdom because it's all of us. I think that's such an amazing thing, and it gives me such a wonderful sense of purpose. It's like, wow, i got stuff to do. So whatever your location, whatever your role, whatever your work, whoever we are, we're called to kingdom advancement. I love that. Activate. This season for us, 
looks like. It's looked like all sorts of seasons over the years. This season for us, part of it looks like establishing Activate Community Park and a great culture in there. And when I look at that, all I can say is what an incredible privilege that God would entrust that to us. He could have given it to any generation. But no, he's chosen now and he's chosen us. I think, wow, God has a whole lot more faith in us than I do. He's a whole lot more faith in me than I do. Seriously, when I, when I think about it, I think, why would God choose me to be involved with that? And the only answer I can come up with is, I think it's because I was silly enough to believe that he'll do what he said he'd do. It's the only thing I can work out. We get to be involved with his kingdom advancing. That's an eternal thing, which is amazing. I just want to throw a caution in here, particularly if you're part of the church, is that when there's projects like this, we're going to renovate buildings. We're going to make parks. We're going to create things that weren't here. We'll build buildings. It's really really easy to get sidetracked with the stuff. The stuff is only a tool in your toolbox. The stuff is no different than a screwdriver in a toolbox or a hammer in a toolbox or a chainsaw in a toolbox. It is just a tool to accomplish a purpose. And our purpose is, and I pray will always be, kingdom advancement kingdom advancement because the world needs to know about Jesus and you have my permission if you feel that the thrust of kingdom advancement has been lost because we are arguing about the colour of the carpet let's not start now Tim that at that point we've lost the plot because that's not what it's about 